to this message from Valley Bible Fellowship. It is our sincere prayer that you're richly blessed through the ministry of the Word. For more information about VBF, visit our website at vbf.org. Good morning, VBF. How are you guys doing? Happy Thanksgiving. Are you ready for Thanksgiving? I feel like this weekend is like the breather because then this week we're preparing for Thanksgiving. Then we've got Thanksgiving Day. Then we've got my favorite holiday, Black Friday. Um, And then it's just the whirlwind, right? Like the excitement of Christmas. My kids have like their programs at school this year. There's just like extra energy in the air because things are perhaps just a little bit normal again this year. And then we've got Christmas and then we've got New Year's. And this is our time to just go before the craziness happens to make sure we focus on what Thursday has for us. I've been asking my boys what they're thankful for. My five-year-old will say whatever is in his hands, he's really into tractors and semi-trucks, and so whatever is right here, that's what he is thankful for in the moment, his toys. My seven-year-old, who is um, making sure he encompasses everything, says the world. That means everything, Mom. I am not missing anything. I don't want to be in trouble for skipping out on anything, everything. And I'm like, okay. But I've been really trying to teach my boys this idea of being thankful and what it means to say thank you. Um, Sometimes it backfires on me and my little five-year-old will sit at his little table. They have a little kid's table where they eat their breakfast and their snacks and he'll just scream, apple juice, thank you, apple juice, right? And it drives me crazy because it's like he does this all the time and I'm like, son, just because you say thank you doesn't mean I'm like just rushing to come and serve you. Like it's gotta come out of a place of gratitude. But to be honest, like most of the time I say thank you, it doesn't come from this place of true gratitude. Because if somebody's holding the door open for me at a store, I say thanks, right? And I walk through. That's not like, oh, I'm so grateful you held that door open for me. No, truth be told, if the door slammed, I would have just opened it and walked through and probably not have even phased my day. Now, if I walk through that door without saying thank you, they'd look at me like, how rude is she, right? And so there is this thing called common manners and courtesy when we say thank you. And you guys, we have this mastered at Christmas time, don't we? The other day, my husband and I were in Costco and he, um, I'm like 10 steps behind him and he picks up this beautiful Dyson vacuum cleaner and puts it in the car and you guys, I got so excited. I run over to him, I'm like, we're getting this? And he's like, I'm gonna buy this for you for Christmas. You guys, I have never so fast picked up a vacuum cleaner and put it back on the shelf. And I was like, that's not a Christmas gift. You can't, no, no, that's a household necessity, not a Christmas gift. So man, if you're thinking about buying your wife a cleaning product and wrapping it under the tree, no, don't do it unless she has specifically asked for it. But men, you know how many Chia Pets you've got in the garage, right? This year they're in a Star Wars head, right? And your kids are like, daddy's gonna love this. And you're like, you open it and what do you say? Thank you, thank you. You shouldn't have. No, really, really, you shouldn't have, right? But we do, we we operate out of manners. We operate out of common courtesy. We say thank you sometimes when it doesn't really come from a place of gratitude. And that's so often what Thanksgiving is. Thank you. Thanks. We look around. We see what we're thankful for. When manners and to give thanks in the scriptures are completely opposite. When we look at the Old Testament, 
the Hebrew word of the word to give thanks, it's 102 times in the Old Testament. It's the word to da, which means adoration, praise, and confession, a physical representation of praise. When we look at it in the New Testament, you are going to see it in the Greek 71 times. It's the word eucharistia, which means grateful language to God as an act of worship, grateful acknowledgement of past mercies as distinct from seeking future ones. This isn't a polite thank you. This is an adoration of praise, an outpouring of praise to God for what he has done in our life. Jesus doesn't want us to be the well-mannered Christians to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He wants something so much more. In fact, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Paul says this, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. The will of God. This isn't just a passive plan or a wishful thinking, but the blueprint of his creation is to give thanks in everything. The will of God. Why would Paul think that that was the will of God? on our lives. Well, if we remember, before Paul was Paul, Paul was Saul. And here was Saul. He was the leader of the Pharisee movement. And the, the Pharisees would pay special attention to the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, but even, even more special attention to the, um, the law. The, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai and he set up the law and the Pharisees had this memorized to a T and Paul would have had this memorized. So, so let's go back in time to that moment where the Israelites had just come out of the captivity they were in in Egypt. And they are there in the, on their way to the promised land, but they're right smack dab in the middle of the wilderness. And here comes Moses down from Mount Sinai with the tablets, and he's setting up the law of the land that God has specifically given to him. Let's start in Leviticus 7, verses 11 through 12. It says, these are the instructions regarding the different kinds of peace offerings that may be presented to the Lord. If you present your peace offering as an expression of thanksgiving, the usual animal sacrifice must be accompanied by various kinds of bread made without yeast, thin cakes mixed with olive oil, wafers spread with oil, and cakes made of choice flour mixed with olive oil. If you present your peace offering as an expression of thanksgiving, peace offering and the, and the sacrifice of thanksgiving were two words that are interchangeable. They understood each other and they were pretty much the same thing. Why? Because they knew that if you would give the sacrifice of thanksgiving, you would get peace. Peace offering is very different than we know the peace offering today. A couple weeks ago, my daughter, who's in college, she texted me, Mom, I love you. A couple hours later, Mom, I really miss you. Mom, I really need to FaceTime you and Dad tonight. And you know, the peace offering was right there, right? She was extending the peace offering, and we were preparing for that FaceTime later on that night. You guys know that peace offering when somebody shows up at your door with cookies, and they're like, <laughs> that smile. And you're like, okay, what's coming? How much is this going to cost me? What did you do? Like, that's peace offering. But it's so different here in the scriptures. It's actually a heart of gratitude, it's thinking, it's a thanksgiving offering. But they knew that if you gripe and you complain and if you ignore the blessings of God, then you didn't get the peace of God. But if you took in the blessings, if you honored God for those blessings, you got the peace of God. And that's why these words are interchangeable here. Thankfulness brings peace. 
But if we look at this idea of the sacrifice of Thanksgiving here in Leviticus, one of the first things I want to pull out is that it was voluntary. Look at that scripture. If you present your peace offering as an expression of thanksgiving. You guys, this was the only sacrifice that was not required of them by law. Everything else was required. In order for them to have relationship with God, this is prior to Jesus coming and his, him dying on the cross and his blood being shed, you know, shed for them, this was a way that they could be in community with God, is they had to have all these sacrifices. But this one was an additional one. that It was their choosing. And I often think of it like a relationship in my own home. With my two little boys and my husband and I, like there are certain things that have to be done and for us to be in commune together. We have to eat and we have to take care of each other and we have to make sure there's a level of cleanliness and all this stuff. But then there's this extra level where we get to love on each other and appreciate each other and care for each other that takes that relationship to a deeper level but is not required in order to be in the same house together. And this is so much just like it is during this time. Like they had to do certain, certain sacrifices, but this one, it was up to them. It was voluntary. The second thing we pull out of this is that it was made up of meat plus desserts. It says, bring your meat to the offering. But by the way, you do this kind of various, various kinds of bread made without yeast. Thin cakes mixed with olive oil, wafer spread with oil, cakes made of choice flour with olive oil. You guys, before the sweets that we have today, these were their sweets. And I want you to think about that, the altar spinning with the meat, these cakes that would just make your mouth water surrounding it. Can you imagine the aroma coming off of that altar? Probably smells a lot like this Thursday when you're sitting on the couch and the turkey's in the oven and the pumpkin pie is cooling and you're like, oh yes, I have waited all year for this smell. You can probably smell it right now, can't you? That is the aroma of the sacrifice of Thanksgiving. But then not, it's not just about the cakes and the meat because verse seven or, or verse chapter seven, verses 13 says, this peace offering of Thanksgiving must also be accompanied by loaves of bread made with yeast. And although that would be a simple scripture to look over, it is profound. All the other cakes were to be made without yeast, which in the scriptures we're going to see leaven being yeast. And what do the scriptures say? Always unleavened bread. Around the altar, make sure it's always unleavened bread. Why? Because leaven was symbolic of sin and, cor and corruption in the law during this time. So why would God say, okay, at this sacrifice, if you choose to offer it, make sure you include cakes with yeast, with leaven that equals sin and corruption. Why? Because God was saying that the sacrifice of thanksgiving required you to offer the good and the bad. In other words, you get to choose whether you want to be thankful. You get to choose. But if you're going to choose, you get to be thankful for everything, the good and the bad. Lord, I lost my job this year. Hallelujah, Lord, you're going to move. We don't get to sit around the table and just look at all the good and thank him for the good. We get to thank him for the good and the bad. And everything gives thanks. That is the will of God for you in your life. It's profound when we live it. That's the heart of thanksgiving. Verses 14 through 15 goes on to say, one of each kind of bread, the good and the bad, must be presented as a gift to the Lord. 
It will then belong to the priest who splatters the blood of the peace offering against the altar. The meat of the peace offering of Thanksgiving must be eaten on the same day it is offered. None of it may be saved for the next morning. Jesus' blood, was that was symbolic of them hitting the blood on the base of the altar. It wouldn't go on the cakes or the meat, but the base of the altar, symbolizing the ultimate sacrifice that was to come, the shedding of Jesus' blood. But then this protocol is different than any other sacrifice. Every other sacrifice, you had three days to eat the meat. This one says you have one day, and by the way, we added all these fine cakes. So what would you have to do? A portion would go to the Lord, a portion would go to the priest, and and then the person who offered the sacrifice would be taking home this big thing of meat and all of these cakes, and it was their job to bring their friends and their family into their home so that they could partake in the sacrifice of thanksgiving, so that the sacrifice of thanksgiving as you celebrated the goodness of God was shared with your friends and family and had to be finished in one day. You guys, doesn't that sound like the first thanksgiving to you? This sounds like the first Thanksgiving to me. This idea that they were giving God all the glory. They were sharing it with others. Our heart of gratitude is not meant to go in silence, but to be shared with the multitudes. And believe me, these Israelites, they had a lot to be thankful for. If we remember when they were in Egypt, their numbers kept growing, and Pharaoh got really nervous, and so he put them all in slavery. But God kept blessing their numbers, and so he made the slavery conditions even harder. And then when they still kept uh, growing in population, Pharaoh said, kill off all the baby boys. And as a mother of baby boys, my heart aches to be in slavery, to watch your family be in slavery, and now to kill your children. But yet here, God showed up, and after miracle after miracle, he pulls them out of Egypt, and now they are in the wilderness being led by God by a pillar of smoke by day and a pillar of fire by night with God's glory on display for every second for them to see. They have so much to be thankful for. But what happens to the Israelites? They start forgetting what it was like in Egypt so quickly. See, Deuteronomy 6.12 says, Be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. There are moments in our lives where we are held captive by life's hardships, and so badly we just want to forget it. You know that men in black tool? I think it's called like a neuralizer or whatever, where they just like put it in front of your face and you forget like the select blob of memories. So when that is on its trial run, I want in. Anybody else? Like, are there some memories that you're like, I would prefer to forget that ever happened? But truthfully, perhaps God doesn't want us to forget our hardships. In fact, I believe that true thanksgiving is going to require reflection. Reflection is key because we look back and we say, Lord, where have you taken me from? Where have I seen your hand, even in the hardest of circumstances, your tender mercies? And usually it's in our darker moments. It's usually in those moments that we don't want to remember, but we look back and go, Lord, there you were. I see you. For me, it was my first two years of marriage not because of my relationship with my husband, but because days after we said our vows, we were brought into a court case. A court case that was supposed to be a little, just a little hill, nothing will change, no big deal. Turned into a two-year battle that looked like climbing Mount Everest. 
every bank account drained. I wondered if we even had a marriage when we'd talk about this, when we woke up, we'd talk about it throughout the day, we'd talk about it as we go to bed. I'd wake up in the middle of the night, my husband wouldn't be beside me because he'd be on his face praying before the Lord in the middle of the living room and I'd have to get up out of bed and I'd have to go hit my face with him and pray. It was hard. And I won't, I'll be honest, what came out of me during those two years wasn't always pretty. I wondered where God was. I wondered what he was doing. And you guys, I love the Lord. I just graduated from seminary and this is what you're going to do, Lord? I was so distraught. Yet something happened during those two years. You see, there are moments when my husband and I would take our court papers. I finally got a job those 10 years ago here at BBF. And, and we'd take our court papers on my lunch break and we would put them all here at the altar. I remember this memory so distinct. And just as King Hezekiah had taken the court papers or the papers where people had accused him of things that were unjust, he put them before the altar of the Lord. We did the same thing. We put him here at the altar of the Lord. I remember one day my husband coming into me and go sitting down at the office and on his lunch break and him saying, hey, um, God told me we're supposed to let go of our lawyer. I said, honey, we have a court case in 48 hours. He goes, I don't know. This is crazy. I'm like, yeah, this is crazy. Are you sure? He says, I am sure. I said, then go do it. He signed, went to the lawyer's office. He, he signed off on the paperwork. At 24 hours, we're still sitting there going, 24 hours, we're in court. We got nothing. Pastor Tom walks into my office here at the church and says, hey, I really feel like God's telling me to give you a name of a lawyer here in the church that I just feel like he wants you to call. 24 hours later, this guy is representing us, and I have to say, it wasn't about this man. It wasn't about who, what happened, the circumstance. It was God, because two years after this happened, we saw God not only just up and over Mount Everest, but Mount Everest disappeared. We had God stories that we couldn't think, man, we could only think God. Those 10 years ago, during those two years, we had visions and we had dreams and we had words and we had pastors here at the church wrapping us so tightly. We got to see God, but although we had to walk through fire to see him. It wasn't the prettiest, but I need to reflect. I can't forget that hardship. That, the hardship that truly had us captive. I cannot forget because I got to see God. But it's more than just reflecting on our hard times to see God. And also, true thanksgiving requires praise. Praise is expressing one's gratitude, giving God praise for the good acts of the Lord. Sitting back and going, Lord, I praise you for what you're doing. I praise you for what you've done. It's looking for the fingerprints, right, of God. I remember a year into this court case where it was a Friday afternoon and we got some good news and I thought, this is it. This is where God's going to move. It is now going to end. And if you guys ever watch like the crime shows and they catch the, the culprit, but then you look at the remote and there's still 30 minutes left of the show and you're like, oh, that's not him, you know? Like, I wish I could have done that during this time because... I would have been like, nope, that's not it. But I, I thought this was it. I thought this was what God was going to do. So my husband had to work all day Saturday. In secret, I have to tell you guys, uh, I have done ballet for like 18 years of my life. And that, that's how God and I praise, you know. You guys will never see it. It's in the secret of my living room. But that's what I did on that Saturday for four hours. I just pirouetted for Jesus. I just danced before him like David danced. And I was giving him the glory because I was seeing him. I was seeing him. He was going to move. But then Monday morning came, 
Oh, I had peace. Oh, this is where the good news. And then we get a call. Oh, that wasn't the case. In fact, it actually looks a little worse. And I was mad. Lord, why would you let me praise you for four hours? You saw I'm still hurting from that event, Lord. Like, why did you let me do that when you had no intentions of actually fulfilling what I thought you were going to do? And I honestly felt like the Lord say, don't you dare take that away from me. Do not take that away from yourself. Don't take away the peace. Praise me in the good, but praise me in the bad. Because by the way, I operate perfectly fine in darkness. Darkness does not stop me. I can see perfectly fine. I can move within the darkness. I can create light in the darkness. Don't doubt in the dark what I am doing. And I think sometimes we have to praise him in the good and the bad. And if you're standing in life and things just keep going wrong and wrong and wrong, praise him. Choose to reflect on him. Because you guys, sometimes life is dark and gray and there are few rays of light. But God is the same God he was yesterday as he is today, as he will be tomorrow. And sometimes it feels like prayers go unanswered. But God, do you believe that he is always working for your good? Sometimes healing doesn't always come. But God, he will never leave you or forsake you. Sometimes I feel extremely weak. But God... His power is made perfect in my weakness. Sometimes fear can rule my life. I'm battling through this one right now. But God, he has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Sometimes guilt and shame eat away at me. But God, he gave his one and only begotten son for my life, so I no longer have to live in shame, but I am restored as his daughter. We have so much to be thankful for because God gives us hope when the world says there's no hope. He gives us light in the darkness. He calls us his sons and his daughters. He gives us life even beyond this world. And if that is all we sit in today, we can genuinely say we have much to praise him for. Amen? Amen. But something happens when we sit with reflection and praise. We go into a state of worship, worship defined as expression of reverence and adoration of God. We get to stand in awe of who God is and what a gift that is. Isaiah 12, 4 says, give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known his deeds among his peoples, make them remember that his name is exalted. Psalm 69.30 says, I will praise the name of God with song. I will exalt him with thanksgiving. Revelations 11 through 12, or sorry, 7, 11 through 12. At the end of time says, and all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, amen, blessing, glory, wisdom, thanksgiving, honor, power, and might belong to our God forever and ever. Amen. Thanksgiving belongs to him. And it has nothing to do with sitting around the table looking at our blessings going, thank you for my food, thank you for my car, thank you for my job. It has nothing to do about that. In fact, it has nothing to do with us. In fact, th true Thanksgiving is actually a lack of self. It's a sacrifice of self. 
And when the world makes it all about the blessings that surround us, God says, make it an act of worship. The good and the bad, bring it to me and get ready to have the peace and to be able to stand in all of me. And when I look back at the first Thanksgiving that we celebrate this Thursday on Plymouth, I look back at the story and I see the God-sized miracles. 102 settlers decided to set sail for America, 18 families in 1620. This was not a lighthearted decision for them, but this was a decision made out of a calling that they felt like God was calling them to because they wanted to raise their children as sons and daughters of God, as Christians and followers of Jesus outside of the rules and regulations of the Church of England. And so they risked so much. And by the way, 13 years prior when Jamestown tried to do the same thing, 90% of the population in Jamestown died within the first two years. They had Native American feuds that killed them off. They had disease that killed them off. They never figured out how to farm correctly and never could produce crops. And here come these Plymouth settlers to cross over knowing that all of these problems still exist. There's not solutions for one of them. And yet they are bringing their families across because they sense a calling from God. But by the time that these people get to America, they are so sick on that boat, they cannot establish a settlement. But God caused them to land in an area that had an abandoned Native American settlement that they could walk straight into and set up house in. When the Native Americans started surrounding them on the hills and and watching them, and they knew that this could be it for them, but God... He orchestrated Squanto through a series of events to learn English and to convince his own tribe that they should be in agreement with the newcomers for both of their sakes. When it was the week of harvest or the week of planting, in order to have a harvest, in order to survive the winter, they had to plant, but they still had no idea how. And they didn't have time for trial and error. They had to make this one stick was the same week, but God, that Squanto goes walking into their village and teaches them how to plant to have a harvest. There were so many but God moments, so many miracles that they could reflect on and see the hand of God because that wasn't normal. They knew that had to be God. But life still wasn't easy for them. By the time that first harvest came, the 102 settlers that had embarked were now down to 53. Only four of the 17 women were surviving at this time. Yet they still decided to have a Thanksgiving feast. They didn't wait for years later. Let's just make sure we make it through the first winter. Let's hold on to this food and make it sure. We just, we got to survive the winter. We haven't even gone through a winter yet. No, they chose to offer a sacrifice of Thanksgiving right in the middle of the trial. Not when it was figured out, not when it was done, but right in the middle because they reflected and they saw God and they saw the God-sized miracles. And they're like, if we can trust him in the famine, then we can bless him in the feast. And we benefit today from this sacrifice, from the Israelites to the pilgrims. He was the same God. 
that called them out of these treacherous circumstances, but into these wilderness moments where they had to see God-sized miracles, where they had to lean into him, where they had to step out in obedience. And because they did, they didn't miss the miracles. God was the same God of Israel. He was the same God of the pilgrims. He's been God for a long time. He is the same God he was yesterday as he is today, as he will be tomorrow. And both of these sacrifices of Thanksgiving were in the middle of turbulent times. They had no idea if they would survive to next spring. They had no idea if they would survive the winter. But their faith was not in the harvest. Their faith was in God. They decided to offer up a Thanksgiving in the midst of the trial and didn't wait for it to be over. And I think that's where we have to sit back and understand the sacrifice of, act of Thanksgiving, a true act of Thanksgiving requires a sacrifice on our part. It's not about listing out the blessings that sit around us, but a dying to self and bringing our attention from our own two feet to that of the heavens where all those blessings come from to God himself. And I really think a true act of thanksgiving expands our view of our world to God himself and what he can offer us. My problems are big, but my God is bigger. Amen. Amen. So now I'm trying to do better. Instead of asking my boys, what are you thankful for? And I'm just randomly looking. I asked them this week, I said, what are you most thankful for about God? My five-year-old said, did you know he's so strong, Mommy? He's so powerful. Did you know he moved all the rocks in all the world right where they're at? He's really obsessed with rocks right now. Yes, is that not so cool that he is that powerful, that he can move a mountain? And son, by the way, he'll move a mountain for you someday if you need him to. My seven-year-old, who I keep saying is going to be a pastor, he keeps telling me he's going to be a video game maker, but he... He looks at me and he says, well, mommy, did God know that I was going to mess up this week? He absolutely did know. And he still loves me. Oh, he still chose to give his one and only son for you. I'm thankful for that. Yes, son, that's called grace. I'm really thankful for that too. When we take our idea of what we're thankful for instead of the possessions that are around us, but to the God who created us, it expands our world and it sets us in awe of God. It brings us back to 1 Thessalonians 5.18 where Paul wrote, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. And by the way, Paul was beaten and scourged and shipwrecked and stoned, left for dead. And by the way, they would eventually kill him and he knew that they would, but he had peace. Do you see the stories of, of Paul when he's in the middle of chains and he's praising Jesus? There is a peace that passes all understanding when you choose to thank him, even in the midst of the trial. Reflection and, worship and, and praise brings us into worship. It brings us into a state of awe of God. And by the way, the gift is ours because we get the peace of God. We get to stand in awe of God. You want to chase the peace in your life? Live a life of thanksgiving in all things. There, amen. Changes, it can change us, it can change our world. And there's a song that I've been singing on repeat this past week as I've been really digging into the scriptures on this thought of sacrifice of thanksgiving. And it's called Catch Me Singing by Sean Coran. And although we cannot 
play it for our internet audience, I would encourage you to check it out. We're going to post it on our Facebook following. But we're going to take a moment of worship. And before we do, I just want to sign off for our internet audience and thank you guys for joining us. And please take a moment to worship as a sacrifice of Thanksgiving. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message has ministered to your heart. If you don't already have a church you call home, we invite you to join us at Valley Bible Fellowship for worship, Bible study, fellowship, and more. We're at 2300 East Brundage Lane in Bakersfield, California, near Mount Vernon and Freeway 58. Reach us by phone at 661-325-2251 or visit our website at vbf.org. Here is our King, here is our love.